Right here, right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. Welcome back to the Redneck Tech Podcast. This is going to be episode number 68. And uh, the podcast is brought to you by Diamondback Truck Bed Covers, the greatest truck bed cover to ever be, to ever live, to ever have. You should get one if you don't have one. Um, It's an insurance policy for your truck. It makes the back of your truck a vault. That isn't their words. That's mine. Um, We carry expensive crap in the backs of our trucks all the time. Speaking of which, I need to get you one of those. Um, it makes life so much easier to not have to worry about what's in the back of your truck, not, not worry about that things getting stolen, wet, dusty, nasty, out of sight, out of mind type deal. So um, it is one of those things to where it's literally, like I just said, an insurance policy. So it's one of those things to where if you have never used one, never seen one, you need to find somebody that has one, get your hands on it and play with it. Um I know you've gotten to use mine a couple of times on trips and being with me, but um, mm-hmm. I think it's something that, I mean, it's invaluable. Are they expensive? Yes, but they'll last you forever. I mean, they literally have a lifetime warranty. Unless you change truck styles, I mean, it goes with you for the rest of your life. Well, it's nice because, you know, you can put your gear inside your truck, but, I mean, I, we both have stickers all over our cases, mm-hmm. and anybody who knows anything knows what's in those cases. And you can break a window a lot easier than you're breaking into that thing. Oh, for sure. I mean, underneath that thing, nobody knows what the heck is under there. So nobody's going to take the effort to try to break into that. No, they told me a story about they came out one time. This guy was a contractor, and he had a bunch of tools in the back of his, and they had like pry bar marks down the edge of his where somebody had tried to get in it and couldn't get in there. Yeah, I don't figure you could get in there without some heavy-duty equipment. Well, you could get in there, but it's going to take you some time. I I think if your truck is parked at a CD Walmart parking lot, and somebody's trying to get in there with the equipment that you'd need to get in there. Somebody probably go, you know, I don't think this is a place you're supposed to be using well, that, that kind of equipment. Well, that they're going to spend enough. They're going to spend so much time trying to get in it. Somebody's going to notice something. Yeah. So it's one of those things. But anyway, uh, on this podcast, we are going to be talking about style and differences in styles, and not just differences in styles between you know person to person, like the difference between my filming style and editing style and picture style versus. Riders editing picture and filming style, but also the different styles that you will approach different animals, different hunts and different places. Um, because each one of those things has its own unique look and feel. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit later, but, uh, this is something that we got asked, um, on the Instagram as something that someone wanted us to talk about. But before we get to talking about styles, We're just kind of getting to give you all an update on what's happening in the life of Redneck Tech and Copeland Creative. We are finally getting another day with us in each in the office. This is what, the fourth day, fifth day, and we've had the office since August. Um, This is my fifth day in the office since we bought it, and we've had it since August. Um, Which, with that being said, that means we're extremely busy, we're extremely blessed, and I could not be more happy about what's going on other than the fact that I'm gone a lot. But um, we have been all over the place. So you have been to, where have you been since the last podcast? Last podcast is what I think the last, I think, wasn't I here about to start editing? No. On the last podcast or did I go somewhere? Wasn't it? Where did I, 
Where would oh, I have gone? Let me look. Let me see when the last podcast was uploaded because I want to say that you've been somewhere since then. Tracks, tracks. Six, My seven. Last we updated that trip. 17 days ago. So I've been here. The whole time? I believe so. Oh. Because my last trip was to... I have not been here at all. <laughs> was to um Yeah, it was Maryland. the day before I left. Yeah. My last trip well, was to Maryland. You went you went to South Georgia yesterday. Yeah, I was in South Georgia yesterday. Okay. Well that one that was a nice nice warm bust down there on the rivers of South Georgia on the Flint River. Actually it was kinda cool. So it wasn't a warm bust. It was kind of a nice fall day bust. Well, Still bust though. I guess that beats when we down there and busted because it was hot as blue hell <laughs> when we were down there. Yeah, it was a nice day at least on the water, but yeah, we caught one fish. And the, of course, I didn't really get it good on camera. Oh, naturally. Because well, we're trying to film. But you're supposed to carry the camera on your shoulder all day. Film everything from start to finish, every bit of it. Dude, it almost was. Yeah. <laughs> but, that, that, that's, but you got two boats trying possible. to move. You got two boats trying to move. Yeah. And I'm trying to keep him in frame where everybody's drifting around. Yeah. And it just was so he happened. In a ki- was he in a kayak? He, uh, Jamie was in the kayak. Okay, and we were in I that, I guess, what was I called? A jumbo? You know what Jamie has successfully done, though? Stolen two of my favorite hats. He stole my Onyx hat from the elk hunt, and he stole my mossy oak hat that I waited months for them to send me that hat, and he stole it too. The blue golf one. The blue golf one. That yeah. one's your favorite. It's not one of my favorites. It's one of one of my favorites. Out of all the hats, I've got a lot of hats. You like golf? No, I just wanted a like a casual mossy oak hat, and they sent me that one. Just a casual mossy oak hat. Yeah, and I, I bet I wore. Are the, all the camo ones are too formal for you. No, I just. Shut your mouth. I just wanted, I just wanted, I wanted, uh, I've been wanting that hat and they sent it to me and I got to wear it like twice and then I let Jamie wear it for that shoot in July or whenever we shot it. He stole it. I hope you're listening, Jamie. I hope you feel bad. Um, so I have been, where all have I been? Um, I left 17 days ago and went to, okay, that was just my last two trips. So BC for Moose with Dudley and Andy and Evan Hafer from Black Rifle and Trevor Thompson from, he actually works with Black Rifle now, and Barklow from Sitka. So I was there at Chicolton River Outfitters in north of Prince George, British Columbia for a, we were only hunted for seven days. It was a nine-day trip because of travel. Super cool camp. Um, ended up killing five of six moose in camp. Um, really tough hunt filming wise, just because it was really thick area. A uh, lot of time in the truck cameras got beat all the crap, which they always do. And then I left straight from there and I was in Alberta with, um, the roots with Brian Stevens until I got back Wednesday, late Wednesday night. So I was here yesterday and today has been my first two days in the office. So, um, didn't get a didn't get a deer in Alberta. Had an opportunity on a big deer, and we he hit a limb the first day, and uh, we hunted him the rest of the time, but did not kill him. And we came home with a cool story, but not a deer. And uh, now I'm here for I don't know like nine days. I've got a bunch of editing to do, and you're leaving me again yep. to go with Kip to Texas, Oklahoma, right? Yep. So you leave on Monday, um, and I'll be here all next week trying to do what you've been doing the last 17 days, which is edit, mm-hmm. um, which I'm so out of the editing groove because I haven't had to edit really in six weeks. I think it's understated that it takes time to get your mind back into the sitting at computer and Dude, editing. 
Dude, it really does. It's hard to just jump into it. And and, and, and for us, jumping in and out of it. Yeah. You know, you leave you you go on a week or two week trip, then you need to be here for a week and get that edit out. Well, you know, you to make that transition, it's a solid day or two before you can really jump in and I mean for at least for me. Um and I think that's why there is value in having a, a standalone editor who that's all he does is because he stays in that mode and he can be more efficient and faster. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I'm I'm one of those people that doesn't enjoy editing something I didn't shoot. Um, and I've said that before, but it's that's the nature of the beast now. I mean, between you and I, I mean, like you said the other day, I don't, you don't know how I did this before you got here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I did it before you got here. It was one of those things to where... It was just run as hard as you can. And this in this fall, you know, bringing you on and, and adding that many more dates and being literally double booked pretty much all fall. And I've had to turn down a bunch of dates because we we're already gone or they're overlapping and it would and we've already stretched ourselves so thin. I know I have, and I know this is a lot more than you're used to. So I didn't want to stretch us any thinner than we needed to be. You know, I sent you those dates um, for Tecamani the other day. And I told you to look at them. You're like, yeah, well, you know, there's a day overlapping here, a day overlapping there. Well, I mean, I don't want to. Uh, we're we we've been so busy. I don't want to continue to stretch us if we don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been it's been fun. It's blown by so far. I mean, it's it like in the middle of it. Like when I was in BC, it's like, man, this is a really long trip. And now that I'm here, it's just went so fast and then you get here and you're behind on everything you're behind on emails and phone calls and uh edits and you know and and these things you know since we're doing web now these things don't have that six eight month lag Mm -mm. time like television do they've got to get out you know and and we don't have the we don't have the luxury of hey we'll stick this on our hard drive and we'll look at it again in march when we start editing for the summer it's like no we can't do that like they these things don't sit on the hard drives very long they get there they get edited they get out Mm-hmm. So um, that's going to be the struggle for me for the next week or so, and then you'll be gone for what two weeks ish. Yeah, and I then think I, I leave before you get a back. Twelve to fourteen day yeah, run. You leave before I get back, and then I'll get back, and then we'll go straight to Oklahoma, and then you'll go straight to Colorado. Yeah, it's still we're still we're going. St- we're still going. We got a lot to do, but that's um that's where we're at at the moment. Um, we got some videos out right now. Yeah. Uh. Two of Dudley's are Two out. Two of Dudley's are out. Um, we've got one, well, one big one left of his from British Columbia, the moose hunt. And then I'm sure there'll be a couple little like short ones that we'll need to do for his as well. Um, did a lot of images on those trips. Um, seeing a lot of our images. I love that work mm-hmm. in the wild thing that you did, the hashtag. That's really cool. It's been fun to see. It has been. It, I didn't realize how much stuff's getting used until we started doing that. Yeah, and sometimes it, sometimes it's fun because, <clears throat> excuse me, sometimes it's fun because I'll just be scrolling around Instagram and I'll go, oh hey, I took that. Yeah, that's you my know, picture. and and it's fun to just see it and and yeah. see somebody using it and see what caption they put with mm-hmm. it and I don't know, I like seeing how people interact with it, like yeah. what comments it gets, you know, it's just fun to see. And it's it's nice to know that what you're doing has value. Mm-hmm. You know, it's nice to see. And you're not only creating content that has value, but I mean, we know it has value, but then to see somebody use it and to actually put a value to it and say, Hey, this is worthwhile to my brand. That's, that's really cool for us to see. And it's, that's one of the biggest endorsements you can have for your work is somebody to go, 
hey, this is cool enough that I want to put it yeah. on my on my page. Yeah. How many how many do you think we've had in the last two weeks? Twenty, thirty? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was just thinking about it. I have totally been spacing on sharing when the videos come out. Yeah. So we've been having pictures, but then we also yeah, have we the do videos. Need to do that. We need to put which we're not how do you do the swipe up? You gotta have ten thousand followers to do yeah, that. We're not, we're, yeah, not, we're, we're not cool enough. No, we're not quite. Not quite. We're almost there. We'll, we'll have to there's a we'll have to get creative. There yeah. <laughs> Hunt more. Hunt more, yeah. Hunt often. Yeah. Uh there's a there's a thing actually. It's called a link tree. And so you put it in your bio and then when oh. somebody pulls that up it pulls up a list of stuff and so then we can have all the videos up there okay well a little social media power tip for yeah, all you guys power tip for you because i don't I'm, i lost him when he said power tree or whatever the hell he said link tree i think link there's a couple tree. different services oh, okay i got you all right well let's talk about style and this is kind of this was kind of your notes taking this was kind of your baby idea so if it sucks yell at me guys yeah don't so yell at caleb that's, hey that's that's good hosting is i'm putting i'm dropping the blame on someone else <laughs> um so i was kind of gonna let you go through and kind of talk about style because from what i understand on redneck tech we had somebody what was the exact question do you remember the exact so the exact question, question i guess i'd have to look for the exact question and maybe i, I should I, I think i screenshotted it maybe i should so we can give this follower a i want to say out. yeah that would that would help too um let me let's look. see who can get there faster it's gonna be a race to see who can find it i want to say fast. i screenshotted it you probably did i didn't because we'll do more trip tips and panoramas camera setup settings Oh, well, no, those was a questions things, wasn't it? So there won't be a follower name on there, would there? It would be in our DM somewhere. Oh, good luck. Look, guys, this is the real real behind the scenes. See, we really prepared for this, too. Yeah, by looking up all this stuff before we got on the podcast, which we decided we were going to do a podcast, what, an hour ago? I mean, I think it was kind of like we knew we had to do one because we were both here. Yeah, well, this (laughs) this is what you get. So if you don't like it, then stop listening. Or this is the redneck tech. Um, yeah, and I don't. We'll remember. try to well, maybe when one of us is talking, we'll yeah, look. exactly what I was thinking. So we had a follower who wanted to know the stylistic differences between you and I. Um, and so I thought Obviously we could I talk dress better than Ryer. That's not true. I'm <laughs> I'm looking like fall incarnate today. Yes. I got my cowboy boots on. Your Some what? What was that? Cowboy boots. What is that? I I can't call them cowboy boots because I'm not a cowboy. <laughs> oh, I was like, what is a cowboy boot? I've done I've, I've done I've done a little bit of ranch work, but not oh enough to call gosh. myself a cowboy. Cowboy boots. So that I call is, them cowboy boots. That is uh I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> uh I'm looking while you're talking. Go ahead. Um I I got a flannel on too. I just figured I should mention that. Anyways, we'll move on from the style. <laughs> uh he wanted to know kind of the stylistic differences between us. So I, we kind of have to explore that one together because yeah, we will. Cause I, I, I guess looking at it, I mean, there's a, I think there's a lot of similarities more than there is necessarily differences. Well, do you, do per you se. think, do you think those similarities though happen because of the style of content that we're shooting? Do you think it has to do with the short form content where we're trying to really do a good job of telling a story in the field and that dictates our style versus that's our personal preference. What, you know, what would be your, what would be your take on that? I want to say some of the similarities is because, um, you taught me a lot as I was getting started. I remember some of the first things that I like watched as kind of a, how the heck do I do this? 
was like Lee and Tiff and The Habit. Mm-hmm. Really fast paced, really, right. you know, no clips are going to last more than four or five seconds. You know, lots of yeah. talking on camera, that type mm-hmm. of thing. So I watched those and that kind of, that kind of started molding a little bit of my style. Um, and then, yeah, I think probably just some of the format lends itself to those type of things. So I think that, you know, and we'll get into it later. I think, I think that's another thing that you got to talk about is how, where your video is going dictates the style in which you shoot and edit that video. You know, if, if I'm shooting something for red arrow TV, I spend a lot more time shooting things that I wouldn't shoot if I was going out there to do a one minute video for yeah. Rambo bikes. Well, that and your you client, know. your client's going to dictate your style as well. And we mm-hmm. kind of talked about this to where we have a fairly wide range of clients and then content needs. Whereas you're going to take like a Chuck or a Kip, um, they're going to need, you know, the habit and red arrow are going to be similar in the fact that they've got really strong characters that, do a lot of talking on camera that mm-hmm. are really more of the shotgun approach. You know, it's kind of say a lot of things to the camera and see what sticks. And then it's a lot of B-roll, a lot of supporting footage, a lot of just quick shots, not a ton of, not a, not, not necessarily a ton of production value would be the a, a good word, but more just shots that tell that story. You know, there's not a lot of time taken to make sure we get really epic this and epic that because Mm -hmm. that's not the style of the show. So it's very run and gun. It's very by the seat of your pants and you have to do a really good job as a producer to develop conversations, to see things developing and expand on those. If it's a, if it's a tough day hunting, how do we make, how do we spin this to a positive? How do we make this fit our character? And that's getting Chuck to talk about, you know, why is it tough? What are we going to do to change it? What's something funny that we can say here versus there? You know, same thing with Kip. They're really good at carrying that storyline and making it better and funnier than it probably really is. But it's our job as a producer and the style of that show to mm-hmm. drag that out of them. Because most of the time, if you left it up to your host or your, you know, whoever that person on camera is, if you left it up to them to only talk to the camera when they wanted to, probably wouldn't say anything. You know, I, I, I initiate 90% of the conversation when it comes to on-camera stuff, or it's something that I hear or see in the, in the process of a hunt. It's like, Hey, we need to, we need to develop that more. That was a really funny line. Let's expand on that. That was a, a cool thing that you just did. Talk about that tip, you know, and that's kind of things that happen with Dudley a lot. So he's, he's mm-hmm. very different than Chuck and say Kip would be because Dudley's not going to talk to the camera as much. And when he does, it's very long, more dialogue type information where he's really explaining something in depth. And uh, he doesn't really have the one-liners. He doesn't really have those funny quippets, even though he can be extremely funny at times. But his personality, his personality is very similar to a Chuck, but the style of his show is very different where it's very more, way more informational and tutorial based than say Chuck's is purely for entertainment and, you know, for product placement. Um, Dudley is the few, one of the few clients that I don't really get to air quotes produce where I don't ever tell him what to say or really give him much direction. And when I does, he always makes fun of me. He's like, I'm not going to say that because I'm going to say it better. You know, he usually has some sort of comment like that because, um, 
he he doesn't want to produce because he knows exactly what he wants the content to be. Whereas most of our other clients, we have to not handhold them, but we have a vision for what that edit is going to look like in the end. We have a mm-hmm. vision for what that piece of one piece of content or one show or one episode, what that's going to look like. And we're using them as a really good vehicle to paint that picture. Whereas, you know, we're the one trying to steer that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and I think that's the the part that a lot of guys have the most trouble with is first of all, most guys don't have a style at all. They just go out and they film something or they're going to copy Heartland Bowhunter because that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's flattering to Heartland Bowhunter, but that's been done 10,000 times. Um, what, what do you do that's different and more stylistic than even say us? Because I, I mean, I've said this before and I'll say it again, by no means are we the best at Mm-mm. videography, photography, or editing. We're good at all three of those things. We're not great at any of them. Um, but that's why we get a lot of work is because we can do all those things and we understand all those things. Well, also it's hard if you, if you as a, as a, you know, you want to call yourself an artist. If you as an artist walk in and you want to go and do something with Dudley, it's going to be very hard for you to walk. You can't just bull moose your way into that and make Dudley's content the way you want to make your content. No. Because it, that's Dudley's content. I, I tried. Yeah. You, when I first you just started, do when that. I first started working with Dudley, I tried to put him in a box that I, that I saw the vision for. And it was, wasn't going to happen. And, I, but I was also smart enough to notice like my style and his styles do not match. Um, I, I, I shoot and edit and produce much differently than he wants his show done. But he also understands his audience. He understands what people want. It's not my style, but he obviously has done very well with it. And there's a huge group of people that it resonates with. And I had to, after the first shoot with him, had to kind of get out of my own way and say, look, he's going to do long dialogues. He's going to do long talks. And he wants those things used in edits. Whereas mm-hmm. if I was doing like... A lot of times, they, like if Chuck gives me a long run-on sentence or a long run-on interview in a tree, I never use the whole thing. I cut out what I want and don't use what I don't want. Dudley is very adamant about making sure all the information that he gives, even if it's repetitive, gets out there because that's what his followers, that's what his viewers expect. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's been so successful. But to me, as a, a content creator and most of the content I've ever done, those things get chopped up and sped up. You know, I get, I get the meat out of there and I get, get out and, you know, I I cut the potatoes and everything else out. I just want the meat. Whereas, uh, like when we do recoveries, he doesn't want music in recoveries because he wants to make sure people are hearing what he's saying. They're grasping the concept and the knowledge, um, because he, he's there to teach. He's there to help. You know, he's the bow hunting guru. I mean, that's what he does. So it, that was hard for me. That was hard for me to not produce him. So I've gotten to the place now where, all I do is literally stick a camera in his face and let him talk. Um, I'll have thoughts and notes sometimes, but most of the time it's you let him go and then produce around what he's saying. But I've got to do a good job of listening to what he's saying and what he wants the viewer to see and understand and learn from. Then I've got to do a good job of telling that story through a camera. Um, so, and, and, and Dudley is also the only guy that I have that, is not going to wait on the camera. He ain't waiting on a camera. If I get it, great. If I don't, oh well. He's he's there to kill him. There's no bones about it. He is a freaking killer. 
He's a great hunter and he's there to kill stuff. If I get it, it's a bonus. Um, that's why BC was so frustrating for me because I went with people every day and every time I'd go and there's five people hunting, six people hunting, and I would bounce back and forth between people. And every time I was with somebody, they wouldn't kill everybody else would. And it was super frustrating for me because mm-hmm. I mean, I want to be there when somebody kills something, you know, that's, yeah. I mean, that's the whole reason I want to go, you know? And, uh, that wasn't, that wasn't of the utmost importance where all of our other clients, if they don't get a kill on camera, I mean, we wasted our time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the, that's the whole, the whole show, the whole episode's based around, you know, that animal or that experience. Um, and I think that that's really hard for me to deal with sometimes, but I also understand that's not where the value is for Dudley. The value isn't in killing something. The value is in the information of how he did it, how he's going to process the meat, what gear he used, how he got there, how he stalked, how he, you know, how, 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 why, 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 why. And uh, that was that was a style change for me, and I still struggle with it. Every time I go with him, I struggle with trying to get my own um, preconceptions, notions out of the way to produce the content that he wants for his channel. And then it gets back to editing. You've been editing it, you know, kind of mm-hmm. what's your take on the way it's shot and edited and or shot versus other things, because it's different. It's very different than anything else. It is. Um, I would say, and you know this better than anyone. I, I would say, I guess I'm pretty methodical about getting enough shots. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I, I get a lot of B-roll. I try to probably, I think you've told me maybe three or four times that I've overproduced something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm saying that to say that usually when I get back into an edit, uh, I have more, more than enough. I have more than enough. I have all the pieces that I feel like I may need or want, and I can kind of cut conversations more or less at will. Uh, I can form those stories uh, and and really go whatever direction I want. Cause I've got all those pieces Yeah. and because Dudley doesn't slow down, slow down <laughs> or let you catch up or really take the time to get those things. You don't have those things to work with in the edit. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's balls yeah. to the wall, man. The yeah. whole time you're gone, he's balls to the wall. Yeah. I think, I think there are two things that was tough for me is when and I've never really edited anybody else's hunting trips before. I've edited other people's footage, but not trips. Yeah. Uh, so getting all that footage, and then you weren't here in the office. If you were here no, in the office, it'd be really, a little bit really easier. Really slim on communication too, because of where I was. Yeah. So I'm taking this, and I've got what well, you know five nine days. Yeah, nine days. Yeah, nine days. I've got nine days of footage. Uh, three. Two different people that you filmed with, um, and this is just on one trip. The mm-hmm. the goats was was a different trip, you know. But you're taking you're in multiple locations. You've got multiple people you're filming. You're hunting for multiple animals yeah. on multiple days. Yeah. Uh, on top of like, you you just kind of get these like little. You find just like little clues to what's happening. Yeah. And you just, I like I just had to watch through all the footage and, yeah. and find those little clues and go, okay, here's and what's what did I tell on. you when I handed it to you? It's like good luck. Yeah, you're like this is gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah, because um, I wasn't because I thought I was gonna have to edit it originally and I was not looking forward to it. Thank God that I didn't have to. <laughs> Which I've got one one that I get to do with BC, but yeah, I'm. Yeah, it so was I, just I, luck of the draw that you had to be in line for that one. Yeah, so I took that and then 
you know, you told me kind of Dudley style, you said, Hey, leave. Cause no one, you, you, you know, you see what I had mm-hmm. done before you said, leave all of this stuff in here, like keep it long. If it, you know, if it feels boring, it's okay. If it's informational, keep it in there. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to kind of take all those things. And with that knowledge, I could, I could do it, but like I would send it off. And I, to me, it almost felt like it was still a rough cut Yeah, because like I did, it didn't have that finished feel that mm-hmm. I, that I wanted. Didn't, you know, like there's just long sections of talking for three minutes that had yeah. like nothing. Yeah. Like maybe a couple cuts where I did a, a bump in or a bump out just to like mix it up a little bit. But, yeah. uh, at and the Dudley's end of the, also one of those people, he'd get in the middle of one of those five minute dialogues and he'd screw up and he'd start all the way over from the beginning. <laughs> like he'd get mad at himself for messing up. I'm like, dude, it's okay. I can cut right there. He's like, no, I'm doing it one take. I'm like, okay, go for it. <laughs> so, um, you know, but at the end of it, I think it was, it turned, it turned out pretty yeah, good. He really liked it. So, I mean, obviously he did something right. Or one of us did something right. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I think but, you just got to know what they're going for and work with that. Within but that's that. the whole thing with style. I mean, mm-hmm. then you look at, say, like a Chuck episode where uh, I say the Chuck episode, uh, The Habit, and you watch The Habit show. And I, th- I always said the worst thing about The Habit was it was so fast that you'd miss something. It's one of those shows, if you if you look away, if you walk out of the room, you're going to miss something because it's such a fast-paced show. It's such a fast-paced action with soundbite here, soundbite there, uh, funny quirk there. If you're not watching and paying attention, you'll miss that kind of stuff. Um, there's very, there's never any long dialogue. There's never any over-the-top informational, inspirational, nothing. It's, it's purely entertainment, and it's meant to keep you sucked in, you know. And that that couldn't be more different than the way, you know, like we do Dudley. And then you've got, like, Brian for instance. So Mm -hmm. we do a show with the roots with Brian Stevens and it's a much, I say slower show. It's still got a pretty good pace, but the sound choice, the stylistic sound choice, the editing style, the way that we produce that show is going to be very different than Chuck's where Brian is going to be much more matter of fact. It's going to have a much more epic over the top feel um, it's going to be major, majorly based around the animal and the location and the hunt itself. And it's going to be a much more serious toned mm-hmm. from everything from... A little bit more introspective. Yeah, too. introspective. Way more, you know, everything from the way he talks to the camera, the music choice, the lot more use of high speed, um, that type thing to where that is his style. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that was important to me, you know, when I worked at sub seven and that was one thing that was important to us, which I still think it's true. Um, there was some big production companies and they're still around that they would produce, you know, six or eight different shows and every one of them looked the same. You could tell that production company, a produced that production company B produced that because they had a template and everything looked the same. Um, and it was always really important to us. And it's still important to me today to make sure that, I don't want things that we do, you know, a Dudley, uh, the habit and the roots and things we do for Rambo. And I don't, I don't want people to, I don't want people to know we did them essentially because I want them to always have their own feel, their own style, their own, own identity, their own image. Because when you can do that and when you're diverse of a producer enough 
and it's diverse as an editor enough to make it to where one thing is completely different from another. It's kind of like, I guess you could put it in terms of an author, like uh, an author writes a series of books, but you don't know the same author wrote those series of books. You'd think it was multiple authors because of writing style. I want it to be that way for us in terms of production, because when you can do that, not only does that show how diverse you are, but it, it lets you, it opens yourself up to such a big client base mm-hmm. where if you can only produce Heartland Bowhunter style stuff, well, guess what? You only get to do things that fit inside that vein. Yep. If you can only produce, um, you know, the habit, you know, fast paced comedy type stuff, um, then that's what you're going to get to do. Um, and I think we've done a really good job not to toot our own horn. Uh, and if you don't think we have, then please tell us. I think we've done a really good job of letting each of our, each of our clients and each of our content pieces, each of our edits that we, that we do for people, I think they all have their own look and feel. Um, and that's important um, because when you get to the place to where, where I think we, where I felt where we were getting uh, when I left sub seven, you know, when you have way too much work and not enough people doing the work, it's really easy to templatize stuff and really easy to make things, you know, look and feel the same. You get out more work that way, but then it, I think it hurts you in the end. I would rather have less work and do a better job. Um, so, but that's, I mean, that's a big, and the style choices really come down to, I, I guess that's a good question too, is how do you make a style choice? You know, how do you make a choice of what style is this film going to be? What style is this show going to be? What style is this commercial going to be? And I think that comes down to a lot of different factors. I think the biggest thing for when you're talking about, say, The Habit, Brian, and Knock On, I think it really comes down to the hosts. Mm -hmm. Um, That's where you've got to start is what hosting style, what personality are you going to be dealing with? Um, And with when you came in terms of Chuck and The Habit and Dudley with Knock On, those were both established, um, which, I mean, I was... I was there at the inception of the habit and I had a lot to do with, you know, the look and feel in the very beginning, but they were already established. You know, when we came in and started doing stuff with Dudley, I mean, he had an established YouTube channel. I mean, he had hundreds of videos, you know, we just stepped into a role and said, okay, you need content for new sponsors and you move into Sitka and things like that. So, you know, we took his information, his, uh, his, style even though it was a struggle in the beginning and we expanded on that i think we've done a pretty good job of showing a little bit more of his lifestyle and his personality because Mm -hmm. he has got a infectious personality um i don't do as much in camp and around people as i do with probably chucking them because uh it's just not the not his style but i think we've done a pretty good job i think you did a really good job in alberta of bringing that out um and then you've got, like I said, with Chuck, we went into it knowing what he was. He is a talker. He's a, the life of the party. He's the storyteller. He's the funny guy. Um, and the hunting is a means to an end. It's a means to get him in camp and interact with other people. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then with Brian, you know, when we came into that one as a, essentially a new, a new project for us, you know, we kind of got to, or I kind of got to create when it was the Chronicles, I got to kind of create what that look and feel was. And with Brian and his, the way he goes about his working out regiment and, and the way he approaches certain things, he's a lot more serious and over the top. And, um, and I think it fit, 
is it's not my style, but it fit Brian. Um, and when I, which I, that's another question. What is my style? I don't know. I think it would probably fit well within what chat, what the habit is super fast over the top, you know, run and gun, take time to do creative, cool, epic things when you have time. But most of the time is spent with creating cool content and, uh, making people laugh, which is mm-hmm. extremely hard to do. You know, it, it, you know, producing comedy is really hard because most things that are really, truly funny, if you don't capture them when they happen, it's really hard to recreate. Yep. And cause very few people in this industry are actors and the ones that aren't, aren't that great, you know? So it's one of those things to where, um, I think that would fit within mine pretty well. Um, so if, if you had to put a, a pen in a style, if you could film and do anything you wanted, what would that be? You think? Cause I know you, you talked about a film uh, or a production company that's in the biking world that you really like. So like what would oh. be your, what would be your style? I guess. I think that's hard. I think generally as a person, I, I got a lot of weird interests. I mean, like I, I film hunting shows for a living, but I ride a bike on the weekends in spandex. Yeah. So <laughs> I, you I said it, not me. <laughs> In case anybody's wondering what all that bike content is on my Instagram. Uh, I think my style, I I don't know. I just like taking people through the emotions of something. I really like, I really like that. I, to this day, I think the, my favorite piece that I've made was our Wyoming hunt. Yeah. That we didn't come away with an elk, but I think being able to, take people through all those emotions was fun for me mm-hmm. i like to be able to show the weird the funny um and then also show that frustration and the sadness so i i don't know i guess my style is i just like telling that the the whole story yeah. i really like having all those different emotions so if you had one piece of content hunting or otherwise it doesn't matter what medium what would that be? What story would you tell? Would it be a feature film? Would it be a bike race? Would it be a hunt? Would it be a documentary? What would it be? If you could film or produce anything, you know, you had to give you a $100,000 budget, what would it be? Hmm. It'd be a documentary probably. About? That, I don't know. I have no idea. I'd, I want it to be... You never thought about it? I have. There's too many. Oh, well, that's true. Um, well, give me a couple. I would really like to do a documentary on like somebody in the American bike racing scene, which is a, it's weird because cycling is generally a European sport and the way it's done in America is different than the way it's done in Europe. And like how, like in a, in a nutshell for people that don't race, how is it different? So European cycling is your tour de France, right? Mm -hmm. You're, big epic races uh, american cycling is criterium races which are 45 minute races held downtown cities where guy there's like 50 guys going in like a you know almost like a, a circuit around a city it's super fast uh and it's really dangerous i mean it's just carnage basically for yeah. 45 minutes we love some carnage yeah here. ufc fighting football yeah america basically fun. took cycling we're like Let's make this sport even more dangerous Let's than it is. Let's see if we can make someone bleed. Yeah. 
And so I think it would be really cool to find a super magnetic personality inside of that world because then you could take hopefully somebody who's like funny, but also you take the epic, like high stakes of cycling and kind of mesh those two things together. Well, that, that's the Dudley of archery. I mean, yeah. he is one of the funniest humans I've ever met, but he, he, I tell people he can go from the most happy, fun, loving, hilarious life of the party in camp guy you've ever met to hundred percent killer serious that fast. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't have a transition period. He can be in the middle of the telling a joke to drawing back on a world-class animal and be ice in his veins in two seconds. And, uh, that is a unique thing. Like I, I, I can't transition that fast. You know, I, I've got a, which I'm also never been the life of a party type character, mm-hmm. you know? Um, he, he's an infectious personality and, and so is Chuck, but Chuck's, Chuck's not got the, that killer instinct in the speed and depth like Dudley does. Um, he's there, he is on a mission, but he can be, you know, he can have a big, having a good time and be on a mission at the same exact time. And that's, that's hard. If you, it's really hard if you think about it, mm-hmm. but you'd like to find that kind of person in the, in the biking world, somebody who's just a goofball, but, gets on a bike, they can they can flip a switch type thing. Yeah, and they just eat people alive. Eat people alive. I, I like it. That or like a, a similar sort of like really cool person in the outdoor space who's just freaking just a straight badass. Yeah. Like some, I want to find somebody who doesn't have an Instagram. Yeah. Doesn't have email, doesn't have a cell phone, and just like does something super dope. Yeah. And go film them doing that dope thing. That sounds kind of like a story that I think Andy Stumps told it on the podcast. He said they were, when he was in the SEALs, they were doing, uh, they were doing climbing. They were doing a climbing exercise, like climbing a rock face. And he said mm. he was tied in with his harness and said he was however far. And he was 20, 20 feet, I think he said, from his last protection that he put in himself. So he said, I was already sketchy about it because I had put it in myself. He said he was like, I don't know couple hundred feet up this rock and he's like you know i'm 20 feet from my last protection he's like i'm my hand my palms are sweating he's like i'm freaking out i've got like the top of the line gear because the navy paid for it he's like and i'm sitting there like about to fall off this rock because i do not know where to go from here he said and over my left shoulder i hear this guy say hey just put your hand right there he said and i look and there's a guy in tennis shoes no rope no harness smoking a cigarette to my left and he is the climbing instructor ice in his veins like nothing is wrong telling me where to put my hand and he's like and i am losing my mind <laughs> he said this guy was probably homeless lived in his van and was in tennis shoes but he was showing us how to climb he's like but it was just the difference in perspective he's like this dude he's like i told him to get away from me because he was freaking me the f out is his exact words <laughs> But he said that was one of the scaredest times he'd ever been. He's like, I'm 20 feet from my own protection that I put in that I'm not sure about. He's like, there's this guy in tennis shoes, cut off blue jean shorts, climbing this thing like a monkey smoking a cigarette. <laughs> that's the kind, that's yeah. the kind of guy that needs a documentary That's the kind of guy that needs right a documentary there. for sure. But, um, yeah, no, that's cool. Um, if I had anything to film and document, yeah, I mean, when you said that, I've had time to think about it too, and I don't know what it'd be. There's too many stories, there, man. Yeah, there are. Um, I've got a lot of things that I want to do. I got a lot of, I got a ton of ideas. Mine probably wouldn't be one film or one documentary. It'd be a series on something. Um, 
because I like that episodic feel. I like mm-hmm. cliffhangers. I like making people anticipate something else. Uh, it would be something episodic, and it would probably be hunting. It would be something outdoor related, just because that's really the only thing I know. Um, I wouldn't mind doing a baseball one. I mean, cool. I miss baseball. Um, that would be a fun one to do, and it would be way outside my filming comfort zone. It wouldn't be outside my, you know, I understand the game. I mean, I played it my virtually my entire life, but I think that would be something that would challenge me. Um, but to talk more about styles, another way that you can really differentiate yourself in styles is you can drill down to something as simple as your color choices. The way that mm-hmm. you color a certain thing, like the Joker that just came out. Look at some of the color palettes on some of these things, like how they colored it to have its own unique feel, its own unique identity just by how they colored the video. Um, that's That can be the simple style choice. Your style choices can be you know, lots of high speed with voiceover, lots of interviews, um, a mix of the two. It can be a no interview style like we do with Brian for The Roots. Um there's, I mean, and there's no interviews in Dudley's show. Um, there's, I mean, style can be a lot of different things. It's not one thing. Um, and don't feel like you have to pigeonhole yourself into something just because we do it or just because Dudley does it or just because Chuck does it or just because production company, whatever does it, you know, there's, that's the beauty of what we do is there's no wrong way style wise. The only way you find out if it's wrong is if nobody watches it uh, or nobody hires you back. But that's the beauty is we have the opportunity to test things. We have the opportunity to try things. We have the opportunity to see what we like and what we don't like. And that, I do that a lot in editing. I'll try something like, oh, I hate it, and, and, and stop and not do it. A jump cut here, a time lapse there, a transition here and there, and then be like, sometimes it adds something, and sometimes it's like, yep, I just it doesn't feel right. Is mm-hmm. it right? Ro- is it wrong? Probably not. But to me, in my head, in my style, doesn't fit. Um, but that's the great thing about how, uh, I guess, I guess it's so subjective and objective at the same time. Um, and I, I guess that's why I enjoy it so much. Uh, but you know, that's that's kind of what I feel like. You know, when you talk about style in and what we're doing. Uh, and, and in the outdoor space. And that's another thing. If you're looking at what style you want to be, don't just watch hunting. Because if you're watching hunting and you're trying to f- gain inspiration, dude, hunting isn't where you need to look. You need to look somewhere else. Watch Netflix. Watch a good Netflix show. Watch a good series. Watch a, a Game of Thrones type series, The Newsroom. You know, watch something that's done by true professionals, not outdoor creators. And and draw inspiration from that mm-hmm. because I'm, I don't, I mean, I still watch some hunting shows because there's certain things I want to keep up with and I want to make sure I'm in the know with who's doing what and things like that. But I'd say 90, 80, 90% of the content I consume is not on the hunting channels. It is Netflix. It's Mine hunter. It's Yellowstone. It's game of Thrones, the newsroom. It's, I mean, it's shows that are shot with, enormous budgets with amazing production value. And I try and translate that into our tiny little budgets the best I can. Mm-hmm. Do we do a good job of that? I don't really know. You know, I, I can't, I, I could never compare what we do to one of those. I mean, we're not even in the same freaking universe as those things. 
And, and another thing, I, I have no desire to do a, to be on a Game of Thrones type production shoot. I don't I don't want to do that. Big production is not what I want to do. That's not my that's not my goal in this. I mean, obviously I'm doing hunting, but um I think there is so much value in watching things that are shot with virtually unlimited budgets with amazing actors, amazing producers, amazing camera crews. Um there's so much value in watching those things and trying to learn from them. I can't tell you how many times I've watched something, taken my phone out and written notes. This would be a really cool shot here. You know, I, I, mean, I could pull it out and read it, but um, I've got several notes, you know, in different places. I try and keep them running and combine them. And every time I go do a new piece of content, that's the first thing I'll do tomorrow when I go to edit this film for Black Rifle is I'll go through that list and see how I can employ some of these ideas that I've had. Um, not ideas that I've had, ideas that, someone else has had that I'm trying to translate into what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that has a lot of value. Um, but you know, style also changes between hunts. You know, you were Mm -hmm. saying what an, what an elk hunt is versus a whitetail hunt. You know, what was your, what were your thoughts on that a minute ago? So to me personally, when I, and disclaimer, I probably film more elk hunts than I have whitetail hunts. Yeah. I'm just I now mean, getting yeah, into the whitetail world. You. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Um, yeah, a lot of my hunting was spot and stock before. Yeah, before just now. Yeah. Uh, so to me, when I oh, look, you're about to get your feel of the whitetail thing, buddy. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is. I mean, I love elk hunting. Don't get me wrong, but we're I mean, we do a lot of whitetail stuff. So to me, when I approach an elk hunt, the style and and what I'm trying to portray with an elk hunt feels larger than life it feels epic um it really feels like an adventure a quest it's an elk hunt is is really about the grandeur of that whole experience yeah well the Um, location the location the 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 scale how big like my favorite shots that if i can get them and there it takes like extra time to get because you've got to stay or go somewhere but where you just got a really tiny person in this big, huge, giant landscape that yeah. they're in and really like just hitting people in the face with that. Try and put it in perspective the best small. you can through video, yeah. And to me, that's what an elk hunt feels like. Whereas a whitetail hunt feels a lot more local. It feels like the focus is a lot more on that particular animal, that specific deer, that particular place the weather the wind yeah it's the, a lot more the senses intimate yeah you know um almost like a little bit more introspective especially because the style of hunting is different i mean with an elk hunt you're very different freaking moving you're going you're up and down you're all over the place with a whitetail hunt i mean you're sitting and you're doing and a whitetail hunt you're sitting and you're doing a lot of just thinking to yourself about without, whatever the heck it is without animals it's hard to make sexy yeah. Whitetail, I mean, you're, you're stationary. It's really hard, mm-hmm. especially when you're in a ground blind, it's even harder. Yep. I mean, you've got your window in front of you. That's all you got. And that's all you got. You know, and I think that's why, uh, I think that's why some whitetail hunts and whitetail content have lost some of their love and luster uh, in the content space because it's really hard to make them different. It's really hard to not show something that's not been shown 100,000 times. And that's why the only value... Not the only value, but that's why the animal has such a high value is because that's that's the focus. That's mm-hmm. the 
what people are watching is that whitetail and his character versus all the other whitetails you've ever seen. His and kickers, where he's shown up. Yeah, his kickers, his width, his mm-hmm. stature, his body size, his neck, his movements, his uh, his personality. You know, the his history, what, his history, his history. You know, and uh, and I think there's a lot more value being put on um, the average size deer now. I think, I mean, the everybody likes killing a big deer, but I think I think that story of deer hunting is so widespread and known that it's uh, it's got a lot more value. And, and instead of trying to just kill the biggest one, you know, all the time now, but um, that that's that is a big that's a big difference because elk is elk has a romance to it mm-hmm. um and it's really hard to make whitetails sexy like that uh an elk is is in the words of Andy Stump the most majestic animal in the woods and I completely agree with him and if you've never done an elk hunt you absolutely owe it to yourself to do it an elk um, hunt just oozes epic yeah you can't not I unless you just don't point your camera at anything yeah you can't be on an elk hunt and not get something epic. Yeah. An elk itself is just epic. They're yeah. giant and they scream in your face and it's cold and they're just breathing heavy and they got freaking steam and snot coming out of their mouth. I mean, yeah. that's that's if just epic right if there. If you're lucky. Yeah. All those things that happen. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> if it, you're it's lucky. yeah, it's one of those <laughs> things to where on an elk hunt, on a good elk hunt like mine when I just got bun in Utah, you just got to be present. And it just happens for you. I mean, you just have to be there and be in amongst elk. And like some of the footage I got, it wasn't because I'm good at what I do. It's because I was in the right place and knew how to run a camera. Mm-hmm. That was it. It wasn't anything I did. It was the elk did everything. He came in, he screamed, he bugled. He was in the right place, the right time. I just got the settings right on the camera and pointed it in the right direction was in focus. That was it. There wasn't anything special about what I did. Um, what I What I had to do to separate myself was hopefully good, do a good job of producing the story around what that elk was doing. But mm-hmm. the sexiness, the epic, the over-the-top, the the grandeur, that was all the elk. Wasn't me. Hard to do that with a whitetail. Um, now, what about turkeys? <laughs> turkeys have... Because uh, you've done a lot more turkey than I turkeys have. Turkeys have a nostalgia. Turkeys are... It's, I think I, I would describe turkey hunting... And turkey content very much more cult like than elk or whitetails. Whitetails is very widespread and very mm-hmm. widely accepted. Elk is just inherently epic and awesome, and it's hard. And you can't refute. Whitetails has that Americana kind yeah, of feel too. And you can't you can't refute how epic and awesome elk is. But turkeys, I think turkeys for anybody who's experienced a turkey being a turkey and gobbling and doing their thing like they're supposed to, it's got some of that grandeur it's got some of that nostalgia but at the, it's very more cult-like you meet anybody that's a true blue through and through turkey killer they would sit and watch turkey hunts and film turkey hunts and go on turkey hunts every day for the rest of their life and they'd give everything else up to chase turkeys it's a it's a it's a cult it really is um i love hunting turkeys but not as much as I like hunting elk. But if I had to give up turkeys or deer, that's a tough choice. It, 
I don't know. I don't want to make that decision. <laughs> That's a. I mean, those are neck and neck. If it was between turkeys and, and elk, I'm giving turkeys up. But if it's between turkeys and deer, I don't know. That's a tough choice. But as far as filming them, I'd rather film turkeys than deer. I would. They're fun. That noise they're, you made just now. I'm sorry. They're more fun <laughs> uh, when they're acting right. But when turkeys are being buttheads, oh, there's nothing more frustrating. I'm, I'm kind of excited for to do a turkey hunt. I'm excited year. for you to do a turkey hunt. You, you've never done one? I've done I've done turkey hunts, but they were oh, those are in the blinds. Cal- California. Oh, yeah. You've never done a turkey yeah. hunt. Then. I had that talk with Brian because he's talking about doing turkey hunts with his bow. And I'm like, Brian, do we have to do them with a bow? It's like, well, I don't know. You know, we could do them with a gun, shotgun. I'm like, yes, yes. I want to do a spot and stock turkey hunt. That oh yeah, that looks oh, fun. No, spot and stock's tough. Well, you know, call, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, running, right, yes. running, gun. running gun. That's what so I mean. Just make sure you say that in the right, yeah. right circles. You'll get shunned if you say Sorry, spot and stock turkey hunts. I'm a um, noob when it comes to turkey. <laughs> well, what about waterfowl? What do you think about what's a feel for a waterfowl? Hunt? Waterfowl hunts need to be one of two things. Waterfowl hunts have to be a kill mission where it's get epic kills and kill a bunch of them. Or if it's not the best hunt, it's got to be about that camaraderie, that shared suffering, that um, the people that are there. Mm-hmm. Because that's why people waterfowl hunt. I mean, if anybody is honest, they're not going to go kill ducks that all look the same. They're there because of the people. They're there because they like sharing time with like-minded people in a blind, in a you know a place on the water with the dog. You know, the killing turkeys is a mean, or killing turkeys, killing ducks or geese is a means to an end. Um, it's got to be about the people, the surroundings, uh, the camaraderie, the dog, the work in the dog, the water, or killing a bunch of them. You know, I, I, it's really hard. And, and, and that's another thing that's really hard to make sexy because all the ducks look the same. Most of the pits look the same, you know, unless you're in flooded timber, which that's a, Small percentage, if you're in a dry field, it's even harder. Because, I mean, you don't really have any foreground or background. You're in a flat field mm-hmm. with nothing but flat field around you. You've got the people and the, the flying ducks and geese to tell your story, you know. That's when it gets tough. That's why lots of, du- lots of dogs get lots of love in waterfowl hunts because everybody loves dogs. That's true. Um, but, but creating that dialogue when the whole time you're having to lay in a blind, trying to create dialogue the whole time when you're in a dark pit covered up, you know, trying not to get seen by ducks, that's when you start struggling. That's when as a producer, you've got to kind of keep a mental note as to what content, what words, what, you know, um, things you want said, because if you don't, you're going to go home with nothing but dark faces and bright skies. You know, it's hard, you know, and that contrast without something to break up that monotony, um, either the information, the, the conversation, um, that's when it gets tough and, uh, which we've got a big waterfowl project that we're going to be doing a lot of planning for in December. Mm -hmm. Um, so it'll be, it'll be different. It'll be a little bit different than that, but it'll, it'll have, I'm really hoping it has both aspects in it. So. How about last one? I guess would be fishing. What's fishing what's a fish? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm, incli- I'm inclined to say that now after yesterday. Um, yeah. What really would you does. describe the style of fishing as? I think it's got. A, I think it's a it's a cross between waterfowl and 
probably waterfowl and turkeys, I guess, because, you know, you've got, you've got a cult like following when it comes to fishing and a cult like people, you know, that's a thing. Crazy thing with fishing is a lot of people that bass fish. They don't like people that fish something else or they talk crap about them or whatever, you know, the fly mm-hmm. fisherman versus the rod and reel fisherman or whatever, you know, there it's a pretty evangelical, pretty cult like type following. And then you've got, uh, it's very repetitive. I think, I think, the thing with fishing is it really comes down to information, a lot of dialogue, a lot of talking to the camera. Because again, you're breaking up the monotony of throwing a rod 3,000 times and catching a fish that looks exactly like the one you just caught. So I think the best way to make fishing content great is to catch a lot of fish and have a really good character on camera. Um, and that's really the secret sauce. That's why certain fishing shows do so well is because the guy in front of the camera is so good. Um, he's really good at delivering information. He's really good at catching fish. Uh, it's kind of like what you talk about when you get to the hunting side is you've got a killer versus not a killer, you know, guys that are there and they're going to get it done every time they're going to put animals on the ground and they know how to talk. They know when to talk. They know what to talk about, or they've got a really good guy behind the camera that can really guide them down the path that they need to be on in, in the dialogue that they're giving. Um, but and I, I say that about fishing. I think I've done like four or five fishing trips ever. So I'm not the guy because I try to avoid those like the plague um, because I don't enjoy them in the least. So, uh, but yeah, if you got questions about fishing, I can connect you with people for that because I don't think I'm the person to ask for that one. I think the educational part of fishing also is important that has the value yeah that's where the value is and i don't know if it's just because there's so many kinds of fish and i don't know fish are kind of mysterious in the way that it's like at least for me somebody who doesn't fish a ton i don't i didn't have no idea where to go what i'd put what i should be throwing how i should throw it how i should reel it back in i mean there's a lot of those little things that as you're filming fishing you know you can have your host talk about those things and that information is uh, really applicable to people watching the show. And I think yeah. all, I think just, is it anglers? What I, yeah. Can I say fishermen? Well, yeah. Oh, on this podcast you can, yes. Yeah. But people who fish, I think are really hungry for all that knowledge. I think, I think people in general are, I mean, I think that's why YouTube has gotten so is blown up. Like it has like someone like Dudley It's because people are hungry for information. And, but a lot of people are what they call ask holes where they watch the same information 15 times, but never grasp that information or never take it into account. You know, you can tell somebody 15 times, Hey, don't do that again, do this instead. But they continue to ask and not ever implement what you say. So, um, it's, I don't know. I think it's, I think the information is never going to lose value, especially this day and age when and the information is so readily available. Mm-hmm. And look, I mean, look at what we're doing. I mean, we're creating a podcast that's got information. Yep. I think it's uh, it's invaluable to people. <clears throat> What's this last note? Adapting. Oh, uh, well. So you've got a note in here about adapting your gear and maybe your client and your style to different things, right? Mm-hmm. Um. I think that I think we kind of hit on that again, but a little bit. Uh, I think that's another thing that you've got to be good at is you've got to be flexible. 
like I was talking about with Dudley. Um, that wasn't my style, but I, I adapted to it because of he's the client. You do what the client wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really the simplest version of it. Uh, and I think your gear is going to adapt with the style. Like on elk hunts, um, you know, we've we've done a lot of elk hunts where we carry the full FS7 package and the camera and the, and the lenses and the mics and it's heavy and the tripods and everything else. But also when we were in Idaho this year, we had that elk coming in and we needed to be really fast. We needed to be nimble. And I said, drop the tripod. Because at that point, we had a lot of, we had a lot of content of talking, dialogue, setting up, you know, breaking down, getting in, getting out, walking. We had all those things. We needed to kill something. And if it was the difference in setting up a tripod and the time it takes to do that versus bringing it with us and taking the time and getting a kill shot that's not as shaky, I would have taken a shaking kill shot as to no kill shot at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was us just adapting to the style. And the reason we could adapt to the style then is because we had all the other boxes checked. We had already gotten all the content that we needed to tell a good story. Now we were on a kill mission. And that's what I try and get when I'm on a deer hunt is I'll try and really blow it out the first day or two, making sure I get as much B-roll as I can, leaves, bow, sponsor gear, dialogue, setups, deer in the field. That way I get all that stuff behind me. Now I can focus on paying attention and being in the hunt and helping that guy out and making sure we get an animal. Um, same thing on an elk hunt. You know, we had blown out, you know, the whole story, um, you know, walking in, setting up, calling, talking, recreating, you know, doing all the things right, you know, like we should. Only thing we were missing was a kill, you know, was an elk in front of us. So that was like when, you know, we had that tripod, I'm like, just leave the tripod. We just got to get something down. Mm-hmm. And once we got something down, then we can worry about making sure everything's pretty. Um, and I think that's adapting to the style, but I think you've got to do a good job on the front end before you can adapt. Um, and then I think hunts can dictate that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think hunts can like Dudley doesn't like me carrying the big camera because it's hard to be mobile. And sometimes he just likes to take off running after something. And you, you can't do that toting an FS seven with a tripod, not can keep up with him. You know, so I film a lot of stuff with him straight off the DSLR just because, really have a choice you know if you want to be able to be there and catch anything you've got to be there you don't have time to set up a tripod you don't have time to you know do this that and the other you just got to go and um so that's was me adapting to that situation you know um but i have to be conscious enough and aware enough of the situation to do that and then when i do that i've got to be competent in the gear i'm using to be able to do a good job so I think we answered that one pretty well. I think so. But, um, yeah, I mean, I hope we answered the style thing. Uh, I think style is, it's all relative. Um, look, look outside of the hunting industry for inspiration. You can look inside of it for sure, but definitely look outside of it. Take notes, you know, watch things you like, watch things you don't like watch in places. You know, and another great place is to watch, uh, other people that are creating content that are similar. Watch things that like REI are putting out. Watch things that North Face puts out. Watch things that, you know, Solomon and, you know, those type industries that are in the camping, you know, fishing or camping, biking, hiking, trekking, you know, watch those people because they're probably going to have better budgets than we have in the hunting industry. 
Um, and they're going to be able to create some really cool parallels that you can implement in what you're doing. So, um, and take, take what you like and make it your own. So that's my two cents. Am I supposed to have two cents too? You can. I think that just to piggyback on that, I think there's a quote somewhere that art is not original. Your, your art that you've created, what you create is a, it's a conglomeration of all the influences that you've had. Yeah. And I think that if you really want to create epic stuff, go get your eyes and your ears and your mind on just cool stuff from everywhere. Yeah. You know? Well, that and another thing is don't, don't, don't create something epic for other people. Create something that you like and that you're happy with and that you think is epic. And if you're happy with it and you worked hard at it, if somebody else doesn't like it, screw them. Who cares? Mm-hmm. You know, make something that makes you happy. And if you're doing something that you stay true to yourself um, and that fits what you're doing, your vibe, your feel, your style, then more power to you. Will it? Will, will everybody like it? Probably not. Not everybody likes what we do. I don't care. Doesn't bother me a bit. Don't, I don't lose a bit of sleep over it. Um, but I'm not creating it for them. I'm creating it for myself and for clients. Mm-hmm. If the clients are happy and I'm happy, that's all that matters. Yep. Um, so... Just keep that in the back of your mind. Don't don't create content for other people. Create content for yourself first. And then the other people will come. Yep. All right. All right. If you guys um, have anything else you want us to talk about, email us, rednecktechpodcast at gmail.com. And it's at rednecktechpodcast on Instagram. Um, I think that's it. Peace. Oh, shit.